three, two, one. Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Kubal. Today, we have a very special guest, Joe Lee. Joe, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I always love when I can find somebody on Twitter or social media and um, like their books, Adam. And then, you know, anytime I can throw the line out there and get them on, it feels good. Kind of feels like I am a fisherman of men, so to speak. And, um, <laughs> you know, just it feels good to be able to connect with people, you know, in terms of uh, on social media, which is great. But also, you know, getting to actually ask people questions, you know, especially like yourself, you know, in your books. So really been looking forward to this one for a while. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, of course. Uh, why don't you start with that first question there, Joe? What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Uh, wild. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> so um, I first started writing creatively uh, about around like 2018, but I'd been, I'd had like creative inclinations for long before then. Um, <laughs> so first came with like my first like big story that like I wanted to write when I was in high school. So this is like, mid to late 2000s then uh i was and then i started pursuing a, a career in academia so all my writing pursuits were academic focused and research focused i know that feeling um, yeah <laughs> um so about eight years of my life was spent um doing you know like history research instead of mm-hmm. you know, create creative writing uh until like early 2018 when i had a severe burnout during my master's and just did not want to do that anymore um at the like around this uh around that time tor.com was doing a um an open call for submissions for novellas mm-hmm. and i so decided to uh write a prequel novella to like this big series that i had started uh that i had first thought of like when i was in high school had, had outlined everything earlier that year wrote a prequel novella submitted it it didn't get picked up um but it was kind of like my first journey into that Hmm. um and then wound up writing another prequel novella wrote a uh um an unrelated uh full-length novel like first one in 2019 that's not been published yet um (laughs) then i finally got to that uh big project i've been planning for you know however long uh 10 years or so got about seventy thousand words into it and then gave up and then that's when i suddenly turn turn to uh the bleeding stone right over here um when that idea just kind of came to my head just came organically and was just more attention grabbing than the big project i was working on at the time and yeah it's kind of been what my writing life has been like since uh since early 2020 since uh since just before covid hit is when i started writing this series oh wow well, that's awesome. I, I got to say the first time I saw the cover for the Bleeding Stone, I was just like, what? I, I found it on, you on Twitter and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, why, 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 where, where has this person been? <laughs> like, I look over, I look under every rock, you know, I go, I'm on every social media. And I was like, the algorithm did me dirty. You know, uh, I felt like I, you know, you know, I felt like a, somebody who writes historical fantasy or historical urban fantasy, as I like to call it. I'm like, why did this not pop up for me sooner? Um, but I was so excited to see your cover and then 
you know, when I'm, you know, looking at, you know, the, the series title, I was so excited. I don't even think I got to the blurb <laughs> um, for a minute. I sent it to my friend. I was like, check this out. Um, and then when I, then we actually read the blurb together um, via like Facebook Messenger. Um, and it's like right up his in my alley. So I've been, we've been trying to, you know, read in book club, but just getting two different jobs has been, I, I had got a new job. He just got a new job. So it's been very mm -hmm. difficult. I told him, I was like, I'm not waiting for you anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like, yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, it was su super, super cool. Um, I love the concept right away. So it was really neat. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I was so happy to, uh, you know, that it, that it came across um, at the time that it did, just so you know, because for me, I was like, oh, how am I going to do this thing? And, you know, had people done something similar, you know, before. So it was really cool to see you, you know, um, with the Bleeding Stone, do something very similar to what I want to do. It gave me, you know, like a lot of confidence, you know, and mm -hmm. that this is something that people would want to read. So, yeah. And like gradually, like, uh, and it does, it definitely does feel kind of like almost like a little niche uh, subject. Yeah. It's like this historical yep. fantasy where this is, like it's um based loosely off of like age like age of exploration and colonial America, yep. but from the indigenous perspective. And it's like that was never something I really saw. And yeah, I it and like finding that readership, it's slowly but surely get it's slowly but surely coming. It was a slow first few months, and then uh, I guess the algorithm finally found me. <laughs> um yeah, so, yeah. um but yeah, and I mean, uh, Spiffbo was a huge help with that too, with finding new readers mm. and found yep. like people who are like within my niche, I guess, and <laughs> more people in reading it uh, in the last few months than in the first few. So that's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always a plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was cool. I just was like, oh, this, I don't know. I just, to me, it, it just seemed really cool. I, I think, you know, again, I, I just want to point out because you said subgenre too. And, um, you know, there are certain subgenres I think now, you know, we kind of take for granted because they're bigger. Um, you know, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, what's historical urban fantasy? And I'm like, well, you know, like same thing as, you know, urban fantasy. But for me, writing about Roman, you know, military times with these, you know, creatures and tropes and things. And, um, you know, so I just I think that, you know, I think in the future, you know, you're really going to see historical fantasy, um, you know, really take off. There are certain authors I've talked to, like yourself, who you know, really enjoy history. I'm a history teacher. So that's like something, you know, that's why I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like I, I and I, I really like Native American studies. I love them, actually. We're just about to start a unit with my kids. And um, I always thought oh, it would be really cool to do some sort of, you know, something with Native Americans, you know, and mix with this time period and, you know, switch things around, give them magic or, you know, or something and just kind of kind of see what happens, you know. So your storyline to me sounded really, really interesting and unique. So yeah. And then like, especially like, I going back to your point about um like subgenres being very niche originally like go back like what a year or two ago I mean cozy fantasy was absolutely nothing thank you like, yep. that's like, a great like, yeah like Travis and Baldry Travis releases up. uh Legends yep. and Lattes and all of a sudden it's this huge thing now Boom. um yep and then yep. like same thing with a uh, romanticy and how book talk has been yeah. eating that up in the yep. last year so yep I just and again I think it goes back to you know like uh, uh Zs Diamante and I. Uh, which actually be the episode before this um, with Stone and Sky. We just talked about like, you know, just like clean fantasy, basically um, like your typical Forgotten Realms, you know, Dragonlance, that kind of fantasy. That's what I like to write as well, like in terms of my own fantasy realm, um, as well as like historical fantasy or urban fantasy. But like, yeah, it's it's just interesting, you know, to see where I think it just goes, you know, to show you like just write what you want to read or write what you want to write because 
you know, the it's that field of dreams aspect, right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you have to find those people, but if you do it and can find those people, they'll probably really enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, my friend made a good point. She was like, what, there's like, you know, over 7 billion people on the planet. Somebody's going to like your book. Just <laughs> depends on the language or geographic location or, or time period. But yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah law point. of averages plays into your favor eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> eventually, you just got to keep shouting and, you know, throwing against the wall, I guess. But um, so we talked a little bit about genre, but what genre or genres do you currently write in and why? Uh, yeah. So uh, like we already mentioned, uh, the Spellbinders and the Gunslingers, it's uh, mostly it's mostly based in historical fantasy. There's some epic fantasy thrown in, like elements of that, and a little, little bit of dark fantasy. I'm hesitant to call it grimdark because there's some dark material, dark subject matter, but like I'm I'm ca- I'm cautious towing the line of grimdark because now like there I feel like there's more negative connotations with it nowadays because people are just expecting it to be really brutal like um you know like um like recent example like 11 cycle like by key and arlen oh, yep. is brutal yep. as all hell like very yep. grim dark and i don't want people and like i don't want people going with the expectation of me saying it's grim dark with uh it's gonna be bloody and very oppressively depressing it's just it's depressing but in a different way so i call it dark just it's not full grim dark it's just dark fantasy <laughs> um but but there's that and then there's also uh um a a splash of a splash of western in there as well Mm. um but yeah um uh so i mentioned mentioned earlier but uh i i had pursued a career in academia for for about eight years so my uh my background is in history as well um and getting to feel like i'm actually putting my degrees to use uh where i'm where nowadays I like my career has nothing to do with my degrees. Um, hmm. So feeling like I've, I'm actually putting it, putting my, uh, putting my education to use and having like these like historical backdrops just kind of, uh, it's kind of sh- uh, shoved in here. It, that's kind that's me. That's more my uh, main interest have li- uh, been lying. So uh, lying lately. I'm also, I'm also working on the, some, uh yeah larger epic fantasy um i have an urban fantasy uh written already that was the novel that i wrote in 2019 um and yeah i i try to read from like a lot of different genres i can like some like horror uh, every now and that every now and then as well so yeah yeah. well i think that's like a my friend like uh you know i think again, you know, trends and somebody had mentioned to me, you know, like I, I, I just got really into uh, like the sword and sorcery again. I got really into Fritz Lieber, um, Paul S. Kemp, uh, the hammer and the blade. I went back and listened to them. I'm like, oh, I love the buddy cop aspect, like lethal weapon. People ask me, like, what's, what's your kid of all series about? I'm like, it's like lethal weapon in a fantasy setting, like kind of meets Conan and mm-hmm. with mission impossible, like stakes and, you know, it, but it's funny because my friends like, well, you're kind of here and here. I'm like, I just love different genres. I'm like, I just love the story. And, you know, in tailoring, I said, it just, it's fun to me, you know, and I think a lot of people in the past have said, you know, like, you got to stick to this genre. But I think, you know, if your name's not really established yet, you know, I think you can, you know, totally, you know, do one thing or the other and, you know, kind of see, you know, where the chips lie, so to speak. I've seen a lot of authors within the last five or six years, you know, like yourself who have done 
you know, maybe some historical fantasy and then done urban fantasy and maybe they did, you know, decently or even really well with one and all of a sudden urban fantasy takes off, you know, for whatever reason, because uh, they got the voice or the characters or had a particular story down. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like different genres. Don't get me wrong, I like to read them, but I love writing in them. I think it's just really fun to, yeah. you know, try and break that down. Yeah, and like, I, getting to have that range, especially where mm, I know, yep. But it's not even like a necessary like a uh, um like a notoriety issue. I mean, you look at like someone like R.F. Kuang, who like she started with the Poppy mm-hmm. War. That was like very much like grim, dark historical fantasy. Yep. But then she goes to Babel, which is you know dark academia, and then she just released yeah, yeah. Yellow Face earlier this year, which is just literary fiction with surprise horror thrown in too. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's like it's kind of a um, it's kind of liberating just be able to like grab like whatever like especially like with a indie like indie publishing like you're not really restricted as much as you might like pigeonholed uh with traditional publishing um so and then like even just like with uh the spellbinder series um when i first started i was uh (laughs) um like kind of like what how you were how you were describing uh like the similarities to other properties with your own work i like i started off saying it's like oh yeah so it's like kind of dark fantasy it's kind of historical fantasy it's this and this and this and then i realized i can just say it's the last mohicans but with magic so it's a good sell right there because man what a great book and what a great movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome that's super yeah. cool yeah one of my favorite daniel day lewis movies yeah 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 yeah. definitely my dad's my dad's favorite for sure um definitely top two for me i actually was just talking about that book the other day i uh, with somebody on here, actually, we were just talking about, I don't know if we were recording now, but we were talking about, you know, influential books. And they said, they're like, oh, I want to mention this, but it's a fantasy, sci-fi and horror podcast. I said, well, to me, you know, his, history has a lot to do. I'm like, where do you find mythology or the most horror that's in history, you know? So mm-hmm. I think uh, I pull a lot from it, like you were saying, you know, and I think that that, that I was like, I think Last Mohicans totally fits for this podcast, personally. Um, yeah. I had a friend, they're like, you just love that book. I was like, that's true. <laughs> I'm about to go read it really soon with a friend. Yeah, but, but there's not, nothing wrong with that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the one, you know, we talk about influences, you know, and I think that, you know, I think it's so cool that people are taking influences like that and then, you know, adding fantasy or sci-fi or horror or whatever. I think you just get some of the coolest, you know, you look at, um, you know, Cameron Johnston, you know, with, the Maleficent Seven, you know, I mean, that was just, that's a brilliant idea, you know, and I'm always trying to think, you know, like, what what, what would I want to do, you know, and what, what would be really cool? Um, so I think, yeah, I think Last Mohicans mix with magic, like, that's what I, as soon as I read your blurb, that's what I was thinking, I was like, this is so my kind of book. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my niche. I was like, I am home now, so I can <laughs> feel a little bit better about it, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I added this one because I was just talking to a lot of people in my podcast group, uh, I'm curious at what has been one, I know it's hard, but what is one major obstacle that you've had to overcome with your career uh, so far? Um, so that first, so when I was uh, navigating self-publishing, uh, so this was last, well, 2022, yeah. Um, when I made the decision to self-publish The Bleeding Stone, um, it went through the ringer of like just, figuring out how to properly self-publish because I wasn't really ingrained in the community at the time. I had like 30 Twitter followers. I knew nobody. Um, so um, my, so 
I had reached out to Felix Ortiz, who's uh, the the Such legendary nice cover artist of, yep. of indie fame. Uh, the um, and uh, and he did the phenomenal cover work for it. And then he collaborates a lot with Sean King, the uh, designer. Yep. Um, and when I booked Felix in like, so I think I first emailed him like December of twenty one. Um, I had I had falsely assumed that I w- that I'd also booked Sean at the same time without actually talking oh. to him because I thought oh. they just kind of always worked in a in a tandem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I finally thought to ask when Felix was like midway done with the with the illustration, and it's like, oh, whoops, I guess I should email him. <laughs> so I emailed Sean, and then uh, uh, that that also set me back like another three months or so at the time so like this was like may of of 22 that felix had the illustration done sean gave me a date around like september of 22 that he'd get the design done and then um sean was involved in a few different kickstarters like the uh sort of kaigen kickstarter yeah uh, which is actually crazy time for him got it got it right here now um oh it looks awesome then uh you know like the war, like the uh, ac cobbles uh war height books he was doing yep. a couple kickstarters for that too um and so it it got pushed to about like right before Thanksgiving of last year, which was uh, about two weeks before I wanted to publish the Bleeding Stone because I was dead set on getting it out before um, before Christmas last year, and it was a mess just trying to get everything lined up, get everything out in time. The uh, the paperbacks I had, I wound up just doing pre-orders directly through myself just because mm. it was going to take forever to get up on Amazon. Uh, or oh, so yeah, I yeah. thought it actually wound up being like two days later, but whatever. Oh, um, wow. That's quick. And... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Like I did not expect it either. I was expecting Ingram to take like a couple weeks to get it over to Amazon. Yeah. 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 Especially everything that, time that I read, but it, yeah, yeah. and the pre-order, the pre-order button was up there, but I had to, oh. It was a very stressful rush to the end that it really taught me a lot about every about like properly planning things. I now I make sure <laughs> like whenever I email Felix and Sean that I'm copying them both and make sure that they're booked at, at like around the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I learned a lot with uh, you know, navigating editors and like different resources for that. Um, and then marketing, I'm still figuring that out, but now I now I have friends which I didn't have last year. Um, so that's, yeah. a, um, so really just kind of like being ingraining myself in the community and it, that's helped a ton with all of those first year struggles. And now the first year struggles are just second year struggles, but they're not as yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want to point out, cause um, we haven't talked about this on here in a while, but that's actually one reason why I, I do this podcast. Um, my friend was like, oh, I said, oh, it'd be cool to learn from people and get to know people and stuff. And then it very quickly, well, at one point, my, I, we had some financial stuff happen. So we had to pay for stuff. So all my Felix, Sean money, you know, Sarah Chorn, whoever I could have gotten to do the best of the best job was all gone. So I'm like resaving, which is why I'm doing my Kindle Bella series, because I have a bunch of authors helping me and stuff, um, you know, to edit and get feedback and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, it just like, but like my friend was like, oh, well, you should 
ask for something now. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we've been doing this for two years. You don't ever ask for anything. You just like help people. I said, oh yeah. I said, I guess I could, uh, cause you could run a Kickstarter. He goes, I'm sure, you know, he goes, how much do you really need? And I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'm sure by now, you know, like your podcast group or whoever, you know, like people could share. He goes, you could probably hit that, you know, small goal, you know, a couple like thousand or something, you know, pretty easily. And then, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Uh, and I was like, oh, I just, I totally forgot about, you know, that it goes both ways. You know, I was just <laughs> so used to, it's just fun to, you know, get in the community and, you know, and, and, you know, people know you or send people to you or, you know, stuff like that. But I would highly encourage people in the audience, you know, if you're, you know, where Joe was, you know, where I was a few years ago, you know, like actually get on and talk to people, have conversations with them, you know, you know, share Joe's books, you know, say, Hey, that's a great cover, you know, or whatever, you know, just, just be people to people. And I really feel like you'll be surprised at how much further you'll go than just being like, here's my book or this or that, or asking for things all the time. I don't know. That's just been been my take. And I have people asking, like, what can I do for you? Uh, Steve Guglich, who I'm about to have on here um, a few episodes ago, um, he was really great. He actually helped me out with uh, our new YouTube banner. Absolutely mm -hmm. looks amazing. So if anybody really likes it, go and see Steve uh, for his services. But uh, yeah, he did an amazing job uh, and helped me out with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're totally right. It's just so important to get out in the community as soon as you can. Um, you know, people are always like, why are you doing this and that? You know, you're not even ready to, you know, publish. You got a lot of stuff in the works. I'm like, well, you know, but you got to get out there and be seen. I talk to my econ kids about that all the time, you know, in terms of advertising. It's not even about selling a product at this point. It's just about being seen. So I think that's really great advice. Yeah, for sure. And then um, I remember when I was uh, sending out ARCs for the, for the Bleeding Stone last year, just kind of hoping somebody would read it. Um, yeah. uh kayla from case hidden shelf actually directed me to discord group that uh that she was in uh the indie accords and that oh, was cool. kind of when i first um like really first started to meet a lot of uh like these indie authors and like mm. at first it was extremely intimidating because again i didn't know anybody yet at that point yeah, yeah um but that was really just kind of like the stepping stone of like meeting like people who are now like very good friends of mine um yeah, yeah, yeah. who like like meet like meeting your people who are gonna shout shout about your book from the rooftop and you'll do the same for them um yep. so it, it was a to it was a great like getting involved in not only like social media like on twitter and you know all of the twitter replacements now um yeah and um you know, like different, you know, different discord servers. Like I've been on the India course for the last year and that's been great. And then, um, uh, uh, page Turner's discord that, uh, my friend Bo Kelly runs. Um, and you know, you get to meet not only great authors and just like great readers, but also like phenomenal resources. Like I didn't know who Sarah Chorn was until well after, uh, Bleeding Stone was edited. And mm. now I know she's basically like, the Felix Ortiz of editing yep. like she, she's she's the she's the one who you want to who you want to go for um yeah I love that. And, she, at, at, and, at, and at that point it's like uh well I've already I've already got two in the bag now I can't I can't just say hey here's the third book you haven't read the first two yet yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but I do hope to put I do hope to work with her uh you know, at some point in the future so Sarah if you're listening to this hi um but um i'm gonna have her on i i keep every time i have sent something out it's like her i've had something you know she's always so busy 
Um, and then I had my son, so I, I felt so bad with her latest book. I just, it just did not work, but I'm, I'm so hoping to, uh, you know, to have her on and, and pick her brain from, you know, both, both, you know, marketing, editing and, and writing aspect. But yeah. She's yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. And she's it's like, she's an absolute gem too. Like, yeah. Um, I got, I've only read Necess- Necessity of Brain, but like it, it absolutely <laughs> floored me. Um, but, um, yeah, I definitely need to jump on her other books at some point too. <laughs> Yeah, I actually have her actually in my queue. I just I have like three I still have to finish for reviews. And I had somebody like came to me last minute. They're like, will you please? I'm like, yep, I'll help you. <laughs> like, yes, I will. So I'm like, really, I told her a while back. I was like, I'm trying. I was like, my kid doesn't help very much with the reading part. But I need to start doing more audio books. I have such a hard time. I like to read them and then do the audible. I feel like I get a better experience that way. Um, but it's yeah, just, I, I'm like, I my, my do, wife uh, is like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I usually do um, like audio books in tandem with like a physical copy. Just yeah, yeah especially yeah. with like, especially with larger books, because I don't want to yep. have to have it take like a, a month to get through a book. Um, oh, yeah. And but but I mean, audiobooks are also tricky with me because I will just kind of zone out and forget that I was listening to an audiobook and then like, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden some like, of the names are hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden like two chapters have passed by and I've retained none of it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're doing uh, the couple God, Mal's and Book of the Fallen, and we did the last book too. And it's like it's just so hard because I like I need to see the name to remember it. And I'll be like, mm-hmm. who's this person? By the time I figure it out, I like miss half the chapters. So I have to like go back over it and I'm like, it's not my favorite way to to do it. Uh, and I found out though I'm a very visual, you know, reader, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like a writer too. Like I, I like to actually, I like to type um, over writing, you know? So I think that, uh, yeah, I feel like I've just been missing a lot as a reader uh, doing it that way. Um, but yeah, I have to, I have to actually read whether it's, you know, Kindle or, you know, paperback or hardcover. I, I've just learned that recently. And I learned when I do the auto, I do the same thing. I'll zone out, start thinking my own book or be like, oh, that's cool. And then I, I won't actually be listening to whatever <laughs> narrator yeah, what, is saying. But. Yeah, one of my buddies is going through the Malazan series now on audio. On audio, And like he, like the, the last time I went down and saw him, he um, was talking about just the absolute batshit insane stuff that goes goes on in Malazan and like all the similar, oh, man, all, the, all the, like, the convoluted uh reasonings for everything and it's like i would never be able to do this on audio if it was my first time it's so hard it. yeah no it's it's if i hadn't have, if it hadn't been like the second half of the last book and the, I, we were pretty much done with the last book and then um the crippled god i was just I, I like i'm a little bit more used to it now but still like i said to my buddy i was like it like we're really trying to we, we, we want to be done because we've been doing it for three years and in february for a book club so we're like you know we're trying to be like under the wire so to speak um, we're really trying to get two way of kings as well and you know just mm-hmm. we just want to find how the story ends but um you know just so we could say we did like one of the hardest ones that you know and longest ones that people have done uh, i'm halfway through the wheel of time myself so i think i'm gonna finish mm-hmm. before he's able to do it with me but yeah but it's just i told him i was like in the future i was like i'm not doing audible i was like it might take us longer might do like 20 pages a week you know physical or kindle i said i just i can't do the audible with the fantasy because it's just you know the names it's just i just, I just don't remember them i don't retain them yeah it's just it's harder to keep track yeah i can i definitely understand i wanting to get one of like tackle one of those huge series because i finished the wheel yeah. of time early oh nice last year um and it was one of those things i think like start of 2021 i think one of my new year's resolutions was to finish reading the wheel of time because i think yep. i had read the first six books at that point oh nice um plus like plus the plus the prequel 
And then, mm. you know, like, then the slog was coming up and it was like, and I'll yeah. just keep putting it off. And then it gets to be November. It's like, oh crap, I, I said I was going to do this. So then I did the absolute insane thing about uh, the insane thing of marathoning books seven through 14. Um, Wow. I give you credit for that. (laughs) And good God, I was, (laughs) yeah, that, that was, that was a rough go, especially when you get to um, books nine and 10, which are uh, honestly complete dog shit. Uh, But it's, but book nine is the, one of the best endings in the series. So at least that that's what I hear. It. Yeah. Um, yep. But well, it's crazy yeah. when everybody says that and you have to like, but you have to get through <laughs> my friend. He he did the, he started to actually do the audible uh, mm-hmm. for seven, eight and nine. And then he, he, he was, he stopped. He's like, I can't do it. He's like, I have to same thing kind of with Malzi. And not that it was as hard to read, but he's like, I just, he like ended up switching back to paperback. Um, he's like, that was definitely better for him at least. But so that's why I think I'm going to continue to either do that or Kindle um, rather than doing the audible. But yeah. And, and, and it gets well worth it when you get to like the final one that Jordan wrote uh, in, yeah. in its entirety. And then when Sanderson takes over, like it's, I mean, obviously it's a night and day difference because the pace, yeah, yeah. just the pace is so much quicker, but yep. I mean, Sanderson did, phenomenal job of wrapping it up in my opinion um i give him credit because like yeah for something <laughs> that enormous to be able to like fin a just finish it to begin with and b just to finish it to the quality that he did like that is yeah, yeah. i mean like i mean sanderson has my respect for numerous reasons but just being able to finish the wheel of time as well as he did is is definitely high on the list too yeah, I can only imagine like finish reading it, let alone having to be the one to finish writing it. Uh, and yeah. then to keep so many, you know, not that everybody was happy, but to keep so many people happy, um, particularly like I feel like everybody I talked to for the most part really enjoyed, you know, A Memory of Light, um, mm-hmm. you know, being one of the best books. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's just crazy to me to, you know, to think of somebody having to, you know, to do that. I know we had the notebooks, you know, I talked to his wife a lot and stuff like that and you know the assistance but still I, I love the story on daniel b green's podcast where he tells the story about how he got the gig and what he had to do and stuff it's like if anybody has the audience has not listened to it yet it's really really cool um and you'll learn a lot of really interesting um just like writer perspectives and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i actually just finished the first Mistborn book um the other day uh i loved warbreaker i read that one before allo of law um and then i read the first Mistborn. um yeah so like uh my buddy's like oh let's do way way of kings i was like okay i was like i've done a lot of sanderson lately but i was like that that's fine because everybody tells me that that one's really good i actually met him actually uh right before, right when way of kings first came out um which was very interesting um yeah. and then i met patrick actually right when in the name of the wind came out uh at the same show uh and like a bunch of other people like it was crazy i spent like all day at the poison pen in scottsdale it was really cool kevin hearn had put it on and um like brian mckellen had just put out the first gunpowder mage book he was there mm-hmm. uh michael j sullivan was there after like his fourth book um just yeah there's just so many people i realized that pierce brown was there and i totally oh, forgot uh and I, <laughs> I met him he was awesome um yeah it was it was just really cool i spent like all day like i my my wife at the time was my girlfriend she's like are you still at that bookstore i spent all day first i like went through i took pictures of them i had them sign stuff then i went back bought a few more books uh and there were like a lot of people there and then i went back later on to start talking about writing and craft and stuff and it was just it was really awesome to uh to talk to so many people about it but yeah it was 
it was really yeah, cool. There's somebody and, else the other and, day I just thought of that was there, but and especially just like I and you said it was around when Way of Kings came out. So like, yeah, like especially the time so it was like, a lot of yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like you know, like Rothfuss I obviously he had like like name of the wind was a few years prior to that by Pierce Brown. Like he yep. was he was he was nobody then. <laughs> like um, yeah, he was at a little table. Like, like, like Red Rising know. hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think they had just. I don't even know if his pre-order had been released. Like I think it just yeah his his book had just been released. Like, but it was like that was the sh- you know the line of his shows. Like that was one of the shows. And then they were doing the Phoenix Comic Con, uh, which I missed a bunch of them because like they were on like the wrong day or something like that. Because I mm-hmm. went to that that day and then. They were going on it was like saturday they were going on sunday all day but um yeah it was it was just crazy and i, I think back to that i'm like you know then but a lot of those people you know had convinced me uh with some other authors had convinced me that indie off you know indie publishing was a viable option um you know and something smart and they had always you know really um talked about community and i gotta say that was like the number one thing that kept coming up and it's just so interesting that that's the one thing that I absolutely still agree with them, you know, no matter what has changed or hasn't changed, but yeah, community has definitely been the number one thing that, that they were right about. It's always the most fun, I think, uh, in the indie community personally, but yeah. 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 And like when you, when you become an author, suddenly you just have friends all over the world. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Like, um, like I'm getting, uh, getting married next month so that like oh congrats time, time, That's awesome. time recording this it's that that'll be november then honeymooning in uh yeah, december yeah. and um and then uh one of my buddies uh joel silva i uh, wrote a uh, seeds of war mm. um uh he lives in london and i'm probably gonna go visit him like like oh, while cool. while we're in a while we're in london on our honeymoon and it's like that's like like a year ago i was like yeah i don't really know but know anybody in london but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now now all of a sudden it's like wherever you go, there's someone that you know, which is yeah, pretty cool yeah. with this community. Yeah, well, that's like um, Michael R. Fletcher. He's just north of me, really, like a little northeast to me, because he's over on the you know across the border for Canada. I'm in Central New York, and I'm always talking about going want to go to the Toronto Comic Con or one of those. And he's like, "Well, if you come, let me know." And then Dirk's in Ohio, so Dirk Ashton. At one point, the three of us were going to meet, and then they can't. They like, oh. um, it really stunk because I was like, I was totally ready. And um, it was like a very drivable, you know, fall, two falls ago, but COVID, you know, really mm-hmm. restricted the board at that time. So, um, you know, we ended up not being able to go on this side. Um, but I was like, oh, that was so cool that, you know, I said I was going and people were like, oh yeah, we'll go, you know, and meet up and stuff, you know, with people that I had only talked to for a couple of years on social media. But yeah, that's, it, it is super cool. I agree. I had some people, uh, uh, that were like yeah you know in the uk they're like hey if you just get here we will let you airbnb at our place yeah. or crash or or whatever yeah so that's really cool no i totally agree yeah or even like um i was getting like serious fomo like was like a month month and a half ago when oh, dragon con happened so bad. like and like every, so like, bad <laughs> like so so many like so many people went to dragon con this year yep, like yep. that like i would love to meet in person like um like um like like uh like Sadir like I know uh his episode yep. went out a couple weeks ago yep. like he like, yep. he went I Dirk was there um yep. uh, Ryan Cahill was and they there, were with like. uh they were with David right yeah they went with David I was like oh with sure I was like no I was like I didn't know that yeah it's like I told my mom I was like because it was our birthday but like we weren't able to go to Michigan to see her so I said to my wife I was like if like my son it was just too hard to travel but. So you're like, are you going to make it? I was like, no, I was like, I told my wife, I stayed away from social media that whole weekend. 
but it yeah. didn't help because people were still doing stuff like the next week. And I, I just, yeah, the FOMO was real. It was really, yeah. And I, and, I, and I feel like uh, next year with WorldCon in Glasgow, um, yep. it's like the FOMO is going to be there again because, again, I think a lot of people are going. And I'm going to be a lot I'm, of people. And like, I'm yep. going to be in Scotland that same weekend, like for a wedding. Um, so, oh. so like, I could go for like a day, <laughs> but also I have to go to a wedding. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, it's man. either that or I'll just hold off for Worldcon in Seattle in 25 or something. Um, I'm going to see you there because my buddy and I, we've talked about that because we've been wanting to meet Tr- Patricia Briggs for so long. We love her books. So we, I told him I was like 2025 20, as like, we're going. I said, there is nothing that's going to stop us from going. I told my wife, I was like, well, we're going to like get a huge Airbnb. I was like, we can all go or what I was like, but we're, we're, we're definitely going. Uh, I said, that's, you know, one of our few chances to see people like Sean Crow, um, you know, a lot of people that are out there that way. So I was, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm feeling on that one. That one's on our list already for 2025. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But it's cool to be able to, you know, to go to things like that and yeah, to, uh, you know, I talked to a couple people about, uh, oh my gosh, where do we go? We're going to Gen Con next year. Um, mm-hmm. for sure, which is going to be fun in, in Indianapolis. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to do that one. We're going to do two others too. I can't remember where we're that. Uh, I guess the Pittsburgh, it's either Pittsburgh or Philadelphia one. My friend said last year, they couldn't believe how many people were there. And then I FOMO'd cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to go. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to go. And then all of a sudden he <laughs> took all these pictures with so many cool people like, uh, William Zapka was just hanging out there and taking photos of people. And, yeah. um, he got some really cool books signed and stuff, but yeah. Uh, well, we're kind of wrapping up on time a little, so I want to make sure we get to that fourth question, uh, particularly about your books, because uh, I just want to make sure that people know exactly what they're about because they should go and buy them and then review them. That way, you know, we'll make sure that you can get some really cool cover art and Sarah Torn or whoever you need, you know, later on uh, for your Urban Fantasy and other books. Uh, but what is your The Spellbinders and Gunslingers trilogy about, and how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, so it's... um. Uh, like I said earlier, it's kind of like Last of the Mohicans, but fantasy. Um, so it's a, um, it's basically a deconstruction of the idea of history being written by the victors, where we're kind of shown what, um, what like a victorious, uh, like victorious hand penned, uh, the nation's history to be. And then it's juxtaposed with like the actual events that happened. So it's told from the indigenous perspective, uh, primarily, um, and it's showing like the waning days of this uh war of conquest and it's uh, the the central character is a um a tribal outcast named sen so she's kind of almost like an outcast among outcasts in a sense um mm-hmm. so um and it's it follows from like her like the bleeding stone follows from her goal to um rescue somebody to prove her worth to her people and when the when the war gets to be when the war finally reaches her part of uh her part of the land um so it's a so when i when i first started writing it um i have a weird tendency to come up with ideas based on titles that just randomly pop into my head um and it was one of those things where i was walk i was just walking down the street one day and just random brain blast hey spellbinders and gunslingers sounds like a really cool name for a thing it really um, does <laughs> and like, i had i had nothing else uh, at that point like 
I was like, yeah, this could be like a Western or something. I don't know. Um, and like, there was like some weird, like some weird proto ideas that uh, came up before it turned into this, um, this series based on like historical erasure and censorship and like uh, anti-colonialism and, uh, and all of that. So um, yeah, it really, it just kind of, tur- it's really just like one of those like, shower thought things it's like hey this sounds like it'd be cool why not do that and i kind of just dropped that huge series that i uh was planning for over a decade and was like this sounds more interesting and i like the uh the um like the publishing trends were just at the time where it's like yeah then those different perspectives are what we kind of want right now um yeah yeah totally. and uh so i Try it. So I pursued that, uh, tried the traditional route, and that process sucks. Um, so then I did the self-publishing route, and you know, like that process also kind of sucks, but it's a, at least rewarding at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. It's so funny because my I I met an author a while back in a group that was like, oh, I he was ready to indie publish, and then uh, I can't say who it is because they haven't like fully released yet. Um, but they had just said like, oh, before I indie publish, I think I need to get rejected. So then they yeah. sent out their idea of their manuscript and they got picked up. <laughs> so now <laughs> they had to pull everything. Uh, and then they had to take it out in the post. <laughs> I think I was one of like 10 people to see it. So it's kind of funny. Um, but I always tell people, I'm like, I feel like I just want to send something out just so I could say I was rejected, you know, just so I could be like part of the club, you know, um, because there is, there's so many, you know, Michael R. Fletcher talks a lot about that, you know, when he was picked up, right, for Beyond Redemption, and then, you know, uh, you know, that struggled, uh, so that, you know, he took it back, and then, you know, re-released it, so I think it's so interesting, uh, you know, to see different perspectives on that, um, but, uh, yeah, I just think it's so cool, though, that, you know, you, you know, chose those different perspectives. As a history teacher, I'm like, why did I not think of something like that, you know, and it just, it's really, really cool, um you know just to see i'm really interested i went through chapter one for the booting stone um i'm really interested to get back so i think you're i'm like two away from you right now yeah because sarah's three so i think i'm like two away from you right now um for (laughs) finishing bleeding stone and be able to get back to it um but yeah i just i don't know i'm really enjoying just thinking about like where you're going and what you're able to do with the time period um Mm -hmm. and you know just talking about the colonialism you know talk about the different perspectives that um, you know, being a history teacher and always trying to think about those and bring them up. I think it's just such a cool, just as a writer, I just want to kind of see, you know, how you did it and like kind of where you went, um, you know, with certain things and characters and voices and, and things like that. But yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and part of it was also kind of like a, um, almost like an airing of frustration with how history tends to be especially a colonial American history, how it's tended to be taught here in the U S where yeah. like, like the, like the story of the first Thanksgiving and how like the, oh, uh, the Nate, like the native Americans were um, happy to share their land with the European settlers. And then they went down the trail of tears because they were so happy. They cried about it or something. I don't know. Um, like that's a, so it was a, a definitely a, a, a like an airing of frustration in that regard where, um, you know, we, again, history being written by the victors, 
but is that I mean, it's almost like truth as a matter of perspective type of thing, right? Yeah, well, it's crazy because like I just talked to a couple kids uh, in the spring at my old job, and um, you know, we were, they said something like, "Well, why are you learning this?" And I'm like, "Guys, I'm like, I've been studying history since I was four years old. I'm like, I'm just turned 36. I'm like, it took me five years ago." And somebody's random Instagram rant, um, you know, about the same type of thing, you know, perspective and things. I said to learn about the Tulsa race riots. I said, that mm-hmm. is, I said, I study history. I said, I study history. I said, and for it to be purposely not mentioned, it's pretty crazy. And, you know, every time I mention Andrew Jackson, who I can't stand, sorry if anybody really likes him, <laughs> um, and he shouldn't be on the $20 bill. Um, you know, we got a lot of people like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, everybody talks, A Blinken was great. I'm sorry, but history teacher soapbox for a minute we never talk about how horrible he was uh during his presidency towards the native americans you know mm-hmm. uh and their native american removal you know um we'll talk about a guy like jackson but not abraham lincoln um you know so yeah it's just it's pretty crazy i think uh and that's why i tell kids you know i'm like you never know what you're gonna do with it i you know mentioned you know books like yours i said maybe you'll take it and you'll write something to teach somebody about you know perspective or you know or just opening your mind up you know to you know, looking at history or life, even, you know, through a different lens. But I think that's, what's really cool about, you know, your books and, you know, you're able to, you know, to do that. And um, yeah, I just think it's really, it's really interesting from a history teacher's perspective, you know, to get somebody, you know, who's done what you have done, you know, with your books uh, and those perspectives. And uh, I, I'm one of those people I really, really want to, I got called out a few years ago by a, a writing friend. He's like, it just seems like you're writing white European dudes. And I'm like, never realized i was like oh dude you're right and he's like yeah you know and um i you know really took a look and i was like well i really like these female characters like red sonia you know and uh you know just different people and uh lady hawk you know and i was like well i'm gonna really try to write you know female characters better and i did that you know i'm like okay i'm gonna try and write you know more culturally uh you know diverse characters or you know or whatever you know and i really you know now i pride myself on like you know i really don't think my fantasy world you'd be able to pick one really i think you could pick like a nordic you know group of people um and maybe like a spanish one i would think but everything else is you know is, is pretty diverse um which i you know I take a lot of pride in but again that's what i like to read i i want that new stuff so you know, those perspectives, like, you know, your books, um, that's, that's what I want. That's what I crave. You know, there's so much of the older stuff and the older ways of doing things. You know, I think that you could read forever. And, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. You know, there's plenty of those books out there, but in the, in particular, like you're saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, um, there are a lot of differences now in how people write. So stories like yours, I think this is the exact time for them personally on mm-hmm. in, in the fantasy and sci-fi, you know, and horror is a, is a good outlet for them. Yeah, for sure. And like, and like you said earlier, like for for me, like there are like a million fantasy protagonists who look like me, just like a white guy, with brown hair and a beard. Like, and I didn't want to write another one of those because those characters have already been written for me millions of times. Yeah. Um, yep. So to be able to write something that's outside of my own experiences as you know, like a white man, like to be able to write a different perspective, uh, like a different characterization and, you know, like representation matters, right? Like um, be able to have that type of, um, have that type of character be at the forefront and not in the, um, not in like the derogative stereotypical way that you normally see them (laughs) depicted in like most Westerns. Like, um, 
like that that was something that was like immediately appealing to me um and you know to have those conversations all the time like when i excuse me um when i first started writing the bleeding stone in 2020 like like i said it was kind of a way to air those frustrations of like history just being poorly taught and then a couple months after I started writing it was uh, George Floyd's murder. And then we started having those conversations on a national level. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and like it was kind of like a contribution to that discussion, even if it wound up being published like a year and a half after the discussions happened. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, yeah, my, my brain just stopped there, but um, yeah. No, no, I, up, no, I tell you, yeah. yeah. No, I tell you what you're saying. I, I think anytime that, you know, I, I, I think anytime you can further the conversation, you know, I think that is, I think it's really important. Um, I think there's a lot of issues that do need to be talked about. I know some people, they like to go in, I think cozy fantasy or clean fantasy, you know, um, are, are not that I'm trying to just say that, that those are, like always the safe realms or whatever, mm -hmm. but you know, there, there are always genres or, you know, or writers or whatever, if you don't want to, I know people use the term woke all the time. I just consider it being learning. Um, but, you know, I think there's different places you can go if you don't want to be faced with, you know, those kind of issues. Um, but, you know, I bring people back to Malzan book of the fallen, you know, like Steve was writing about, you know, same sex couples before anybody that I know mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, um, you know, and he, he didn't put it in your face. It was like, you almost had to like read between the lines. And then by the end of the series, you're like, oh, I totally, you know, see what he's doing. And it was like, um, you know, and there were just so many examples of just things that I was very surprised that, you know, more people didn't talk about that he did and does um, that, you know, I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. You know, um, I feel like there's so much more representation in his books than I never see anybody talk about his representation, but, you know, he has, does female characters very, very well. I feel like, um, you know, for being a male author and, you know, there's a lot of representation. You don't, you don't have that. I'm sorry. I love David Eddings's books, but you don't have that like one group of people or skin color are the bad guys versus the other thing. You don't have that in Malazan. Um, so, and that's like, you know, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time is very similar to that, you know, like there'll be like countries, be like more racist towards countries than, you know, race or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that it, anytime you can, can, you know, contribute to that discussion and you want to, I think it's, you know, really important. I think that again, is where, uh, you know, indie really has a lot of strengths for it. But. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And then like, yeah, you go, you go to Erickson and then like you, like go a little further back into the 90s and you get kind of like almost like the edginess of like Terry Goodkind uh, which is like yeah, yeah like the complete opposite end of the spectrum with how regressive it was like and yeah. how ridiculous it was like there was a reddit thread um yeah, a couple of weeks ago uh where just like all the insane stuff that that Terry Goodkind wrote into the sort of truth like one of them was like the main character defeating communism by playing football or something like that <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, Terry, Terry, uh, I love, I love the, the Wizard's First Rule, and I love the books. Terry, Terry is an interesting guy, um, yeah. and that's all I'm going to say on it. Uh, yeah. I try to, <laughs> try to stay out of that conversation. Yeah, um, that's where, like, there, there are certain people that there's, there was a couple, you know, there's a couple years ago, two years ago, you know, where all of a sudden you found out in the indie community that, you know, there were certain male authors that were, you know, praying or, you know, treating, you know, female authors just in terms of disgusting manners, you know, and, uh, or, you know, women at cons and stuff or conventions. And 
you know, there's, you know, I, I'm like, I, I won't support those people. And, you know, that's, that's my choice. And they'll never see a review by me, you know, and, you know, Terry was one of those guys where, you know, I, you know, read books, bought them used or got them from the library, you know, and mm-hmm. didn't really want to give my money, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, talented, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting guy uh, mm-hmm. is what I'll say to that, but uh, on the air, but uh, I have a lot of opinions <laughs> off the air, uh, but you know, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely skilled. Uh, but that's where I think, you know, I tell my students all the time, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, like where you can use your skills. And, you know, I think uh, as a person, as a history teacher, there are certain things I want to talk about, you know, in terms of, you know, fantasy or sci-fi or, you know, or whatever. Um, and, you know, I like to put those, you know, those enduring issues in there, you know, because I think that is important because you, know, you, you said representation matters and I totally agree, but I also think representing not just the people, but, you know, and the perspectives, but also the situations, I think, mm-hmm. you know, is, is really important. I think that's where a lot of people uh, sometimes don't think about, you know, so I think, you know, you, to me also have the situations that you're talking about, you know, as well as the people. Um, and I think that's, you know, really important. So I think that's what is different, you know, um, you know, in terms of your writing and books versus, you know, your, your version, I would say of historical fantasy versus maybe some others in the past, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that that's really cool. But, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask because I got to ask, <laughs> uh, and we talked a lot about like kind of like well we talked we talked a bit about like how you combine some historical peoples um in the context of this fantasy setting but uh i was just curious in terms of like um you know in terms of your fantasy setting like what parts of it are fantasy like you know you you you, you do have magic then i assume mm-hmm. uh so yeah, i'm curious so- at what type of magic system like you kind of went with and how you you know kind of went about that in terms of this type of setting and genre yeah so um so it's very much like more like a low magic system. So it's mm-hmm. not like um as like ov like as overt of as like like a Sanderson magic system is. Um, so the magic system is based off of um like boons granted by uh the three animal gods that uh the tribes mm-hmm. in the series uh revere. So um there's uh, a bear, a wolf, and an owl, and like they're and those are like the boons are uh relative to like strength, cunning, and wisdom, uh, respectively. Mm-hmm. So um just to like, kind of like give like a like a like a spark notes uh, version of it. It's like basically um when like when people in the tribes come of age, they undergo a trial. And if they pass that, they're grant they're granted a boon by whichever um whichever the gods they're more like comp- most oh, compatible cool. with. Yeah, um, yeah. So like they're compatible with the bear. They they will give like be granted a boon of uh, say strength or endurance. So it'll be like they're stronger or they have a uh, greater stamina during battles. Uh, or likewise, if they're like compatible with the owl, they may uh, be granted uh, enhanced knowledge or uh, be able to um, act as like interpreters for foreign languages. Uh, basically be granted the, the the knowledge of um like any foreign tongue like once they oh, encounter cool. it essentially um yeah, yeah. so it's like it's it's much less um like like fireballs flying everywhere and more just kind of like something that's more ingrained in the culture uh where yeah, yeah. um you know you have like these different like like um 
I don't, I don't want to call them sects, but like sim- similar to that in each tribe where like, like they have their own group of like warriors, of hunters, of scholars, um, and the magic system kind of permeates through like those groups essentially. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, so I, I have to ask because I just think it's a great question. I must know. Um, would you rather be a spellbinder or a gunslinger? <laughs> so, um, just being a spellbinder, like in again, like the context of the of the series, um, like it just would be much more interesting uh, to have like some type of boon granted based on yeah, you know, like if like I was granted like like memory or knowledge or something that'd be cool because like I have the memory <laughs> of a goldfish, um, or I, that. Um, I have a kid, so yeah, I get that. Yeah, or like um, knowledge would help because I have a horrible attention span, like um. And then, like, and like, being a gunslinger would be boring because it's like, oh yeah, my my special power is gun. Like, like yeah. that's um, you just ostracize all of Stephen King's fans right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think most people, I think most people, you know, would, would would you know would consider the same thing. You know, I mean, like we have gunslingers, and are they super cool? Yeah, John Wayne. You know, you have those typical Eastwood type characters. Um, I'm totally forgetting uh there was that awesome female character from the 90s where she like uh had to shoot Gene Hackman uh and then Leonardo DiCaprio was in that the oh we've been blanking on that great movie but anyways uh she her character was amazing um so super cool but yeah I, I definitely think I would have to go spellbinder as well it would just be cool to to do something especially the context you know what you're saying you know that they're they're using them you know in terms of you know the different sex and stuff like that but yeah mm-hmm. that'd, that'd be super cool so if you had one character that you could meet all right um and i always say like maybe go on an adventure with um but like if you had one of your characters you could meet and either ask them anything or go on an adventure with who would it be and why so i feel like uh it's almost a cop-out but like my main character sen just because i want to see how she's doing because like i put her through the ringer and i feel like she just kind of needs a hug (laughs) i like like how you put that i just want to see how she's doing (laughs) yeah it's like that's awesome. It's like, hey, buddy, you're you're drinking a lot again. Are you okay? So it's like the pat on the back. My son will do yeah. that when I hold him. Like, he'll, I think he just he's like watching me nine months. I think he knows when I'm having a rough day. The other day, he just like is on my arm and just <laughs> just I'm like, I needed that, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a great answer. Um, so we'll uh, go with that last question there. Uh, sorry, I know I know it's hard because I made you pick like a favorite child. I know that's really hard for you know a lot of authors and, and artists and <laughs> people like that. Um, I know every, everybody always got one in the back of their mind though. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, mom, uh, she always <laughs> likes to say, "I love you both equally," but we know who the favorite is. Uh, but for that last one, uh, do you have any news updates or current projects, anything like that that you could share with us? Yeah. So um, the final book in the Spellbinders and the Gunslingers trilogy, uh, the first draft of it was just finished last month. Uh, oh, I sense. sent it off to my editor. Uh, it'll be looked at like November, December. I'm planning on releasing that in the spring, so around March or April. Um, so more details of that will uh, will be to come around January, February. Um, then, other than that, uh, the um, I mentioned that urban fantasy novel that I wrote uh, yeah, a yeah. few years back. I'm going to be spending time on that next year to rework it a bit. Um, cool. it is kind of it's kind of a 
cross between Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman and the Netflix series Sense8. Um, so, oh, that's cool. So keep an eye out for that uh, towards the end of 2024. And my next project is actually kind of be more a more lighthearted. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't know if it's gonna, if you can consider it middle grade or YA, just because the main character is probably gonna be like 11. But, um, hmm. but it's gonna be much more like whimsical and lighthearted. Something that I just kind of wanted to write for my niece and nephew, mainly because I want oh, something cool. much less, much less depressing to write next. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fair. it'll be much a little more palate cleanser. Yeah, it'll be a, a little more Pratchett-esque uh, uh, oh, is okay, the goal cool. there. Um, kind of dealing a little more with uh, Celtic dragons. Um, so oh, that'll cool. be... I'm hoping I can get get that done in time before Spiffbo 10 starts mm. next year. Um, but we'll oh, see yeah, how that goes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think anytime and, you get your yeah. Pratchettus on, that's a really good thing. So. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I if I can get a if I can get grouped into the Weatherwax report again, that'll be great because Esme is a follower of Terry Pratchett. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's super cool. Well, that all sounds really awesome. I look forward to seeing you know all three of those books and you know those future projects. That all sounds absolutely amazing. So, um, but thank you again. You know, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, just want to remind everybody, you know, in the audience, um, in case you're new look down in the description, or if you're hearing this on audio, look to the description everywhere where this podcast is found. You can find all of Joe's links there, uh, books, socials, things like that. Um, please, please, please don't forget that we're really trying to focus on reviewing every product. Um, so whether or not you buy Joe's physical book, Kindle, Audible, just want to also mention Audible and Goodreads are not linked right now. Uh, Amazon and Goodreads are as of this podcast. So we want to remind people that if you're listening on one, please make sure you're going to the other one and transferring those. I have, I think, two left uh, that I have from Audible to Amazon um, to transfer reviews. But again, that's how everybody is, you know, making their dimes, including as I had uh, Amy Hutchinson on uh, uh, two episodes ago. Uh, you know, she's a voice actress, so she also, you know, makes money via those reviews as well. So please make sure you guys are doing those to help people out like Joe and her. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming out. If there's anything at all that I can do for you between now and then, uh, this will come out about January. Like I said, I'll send you the date. So it's kind of nice. We'll kind of be uh, in sync for, you know, book tour or something like that. Um, get the word out there. Uh, but if there's anything else you need, you know, just let me know. But uh, other than that, you know, I look forward to talking on Twitter and or X or whatever they change it to yeah. tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if there's anything else you need, just let me know. Um, you know, send me an email, a message, thing like that. And I'll help you out as best I can, my friend. All right. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's been great being here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Joe, you have a great rest of the day and I'll talk to you later, my friend. All righty. Thank you. See you.